0: they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Hello, welcome to the Six Nations podcast with David Flatman and Tom Shanklin. Glad to have you all on board. How are you, Dave? I'm all right, fella. It's you I'm worried about. Are we allowed to call it Six Nations podcast? Yeah,
3: nope. we call it what we want. Nope. Nope, probably not. Mate, we're both, we both have extensive Six Nations careers, so we both played in it. <sighs> so anyone who objects to us calling God. it that probably never even played in it like we did. Probably even played professional sport. Exactly, until you've been in the mixer, mate. Mm. Until you've been until in until the Until you've cauldron. come down my channel. Until you've played for Wales A eh, and come down my channel at Wrexham against England A eh, and been battered like you got battered by me.
2: You don't know your onions, do you? Till you're in that changing room and someone puts on the Al Pacino speech in any given Sunday and everyone is in a circle and closes your eyes. That's one of the the best um, pre-game speeches I've ever heard.
3: you've been in the changing room um, three metres from a toilet right before you go out and seen Mark Regan pull his shorts down and piss into the team bin in the middle of the room that you put your strapping in and your little gel packs and your drinks bottles that are empty and, and you're sitting in there because the toilet was too far away, you haven't, you ain't done it. Until you've, you don't know what it's about. Until
2: you've witnessed a changing room toilet pre-game, mm. then you know you can't comment because that is, that's hell. It is disgusting, it's it's a bit of graffiti, it's artwork, mm. it's a mixture of everything. It's one of the worst, it's something I will never ever forget and want to forget. Just looking for a and, cubicle yeah. to go into and oh my
3: god. Until you've seen between two and five people um, just before kickoff shoving um, all very legal Volterol sort of anti-inflammatory suppositories up their arses um, and then taking their hands back out of their shorts, clapping their hands together and saying, come on, boys, let's go and do them without going to wash their hands because it's too close to kick off. You ain't done it.
2: Till you've witnessed three of the back line with mitts on putting saint all over their legs and arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> Comment. Right, shall we get into this? Until you until you've, um. <laughs> until you've hey, hang on, until
3: you've been at pre season but you were injured so you're running the water on, until you've got um, a couple of the water bottles, Lucas water bottles, and put cider in them, put Thatcher's in them, who are our sponsor then, uh, to stitch some of the boys up during pre season, um, and whispered to the boys just before kickoff, there's cider in one or two of those. If you grass us up, you're a terrible lad. And then someone taking a bottle on to Andy Beattie when they're playing Richmond in pre-season and watching him glug half-time really hot in the summer pre-season game, glug cider and laugh <laughs> and actually
2: not spit it out middle of the game, <laughs> you ain't done it. Until you at half-time have watched uh, the base of a penis on the underside being stitched mm. with four stitches, then yeah, you can't, you can't comment against New Zealand. Until
3: you've uh, been sitting there. Well, that's horrible. Until you've um, sat there, about to go out for a warm-up, gone to stand up and realise that your neck and shoulder are so seized up and painful that you can't warm up. And the coach comes in and says, are you all right to play even if you don't warm up? And you said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, because your contract's nearly up. And you have no warm-up at all. You just sit in the changing room with a physio panicking with his elbow in your neck, doesn't work. And you run out and you can't look left. You ain't done it. That's like
2: um, Derek Zoolander.
3: <laughs> exactly, Uniturner. turner.
2: Yeah. <laughs> do you have to do like full turns the other way to the right? Yeah, the it, it loosens
3: up. It loosens up. Right, um, that's it. Now, by the way, R- Richard Cockerell, mate, we, look, we just so you know, we did a pod last week, as you know, and we actually got i I received a little bit of criticism for it, which isn't isn't um, no two weeks ago before the Ross Tucker one. Because we went straight into rugby. But the thing is, guys, Shanks and I have lives to lead. We're not here, you know, we're not bloody guinea pigs. We're, what's the word? Circus fleas and not guinea pigs. Uh, we're not circus animals. Sometimes we actually have to get into it because we got stuff to get on with. And I've got to go and
2: look at some windows. Mm. So, oh, back to the windows, are we? Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Having brought it up. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> Um
3: <laughs> Richard Cockrell's leaving his England job after the Six Nations, he's going to Montpellier.
2: Is he? As had Do you
3: know what I think to myself? Uh what's he doing there? Um doesn't say. Okay. Um it doesn't say what I would say is that Ian uh, Peel apparently is um Peely. coming in who's very highly rated, which mm-hmm. is great. Nice um him. yeah, but he says it's disappointing not to work with Steve. Uh anyway, that that's good for him and um it's a difficult decision for him to leave. I don't know whose choice it is from reading this. Might might even be um, uh, Richard Cockrell's choice. But going to Montpellier, and I think to myself, wicked place, nice weather, good cash, well done. Yeah. John Barkley's been scathing about Richard Cockrell in the past.
2: He actually put a campaign together, a petition together to get him out of Edinburgh. And he spearheaded wow. that. Wow. And at one stage, I thought they were going to have to fight. That was the only way to overcome it, just to get a load of hay bales. Put them in the middle. Um, one guy yep. in a hoodie, refing, and then you, you pick your corner. A couple of dogs barking around. For John Barkley got any tats? Um, no. He'd have, to get, no he's He'd have to get a Scottish one or whatever, a Thistle one. He have was, to get a bulldog. He was on about getting his hairline tattooed. But mm. I'm not sure if he still is or not.
3: I've seen a few guys with the old tattooed hairline, mm. and I I'm not judgy because it's like you've obviously there's an you know you, if you want it done, absolutely go for it. And um, I am not perfect in appearance by a long way, but it's like it always looked like it always looks like you've had your hairline tattooed.
2: Oh, you look like a thug.
3: Yeah, now, I like to think I've got a bald head and a thick neck, but I don't think I look thuggish. Do you?
2: No, you look snooker. Is what you look like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like could look like Willie Thorne in his prime. You either look snooker or you look, um, opera. Opera. <laughs> opera. <laughs> <So> like Pavarotti. <laughs> Rick Waller. <laughs> uh, right. We, look, we said we wouldn't do this, but we're going to have to get into it.
3: We, we've got to because, um. We've got lives we to lead. And yeah, and Shanks has actually, Shanks has actually got a job, um, uh just very quickly, uh Henry Slade's back in the England squad looks like mm-hmm. he might be recovering from his um injury. Uh that's good. Um Ugo got hiccups doing T V and John Barkley and Sam Warburton loved it. Oh, it mate, was that funny. was amazing.
2: They didn't even sound like yeah. hiccups.
3: I know they were weird, weren't they? Yeah. I was thinking I thought, Oh oh god, is this the moment? Is there something wrong here? But it turned out there wasn't. I thought
2: someone problem. might have told a dirty joke that got oh. him laughing. During one of the highlights of one of the games, or he'd had a fizzy drink, but yeah. they just came on. He, well, he'd been, he'd been on the piss, hadn't he? Yeah, Drinking,
3: uh, I only ever get those from lager, and I reckon he's had five or six pints before he's gone live.
2: He was talking Apparently, very literally. slowly. Yeah. So yeah, he could be right. He hasn't. Though. I think. We're, yeah. But that um, was amazing. That was absolutely amazing.
3: Right, lad. Let's let's start with the biggest game of the weekend. France, um,
2: actually, Italy.
3: Let's start with. Well, actually, the best game. I don't
2: know. Let's do them on order. Let's do them in order, okay?
3: I think I think the England game and the other game were the best, and the France game. England were the game best was game, the
2: best. England game was the best.
3: Yeah, it was. It was just. Pretty it was clean. a great game. It was a great game. But we'll start. But we'll, st-
2: we'll start with Ireland, Wales at the Prince of
3: Oh, Stadium. Right. Oh right, fine. You said in order, and that is first. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I was on the back foot straight away that day because i did a bbc um interview in the morning for breakfast said well I was gonna win it and the reporter called me tom franklin oh yeah yeah and uh, my did you heart sort of sank no i didn't but someone uh, in his ear did because he called me shanklin after and i, I just uh, wanted to be professional and i didn't want to uh, stitch him up because we all well i'm the worst at making um bad name calls, get people's names. You're a lovely commentator, but you don't like names. (laughs) The number twelve, the number (laughs) thirteen. The big fella. Yeah. Oh, the big second row. Anyway, so yeah, I was on the back foot straight away. But in going into the game there was obviously Tag Furlong wasn't playing, so big result for Wales. And then before kick off it was announced that Jameson Gibson Park wasn't playing. And I would say that arguably he has more of an impact of how Ireland play than Sexton to a point mm-hmm. and I thought Conor Murray's coming in very good at box kicking but might stop Ireland from playing a little bit
1: and the Gatland were effect were you right and the
2: Gatland effect okay so Gatland coming back in he's going to get these guys motivated attitude's going to be there energy levels are going to be there yeah and boy were they for the anthems and <laughs> Because Alan Jones <laughs> and beast. Ken Owens were next to each other, and they absolutely dominated the anthems. They shouldn't even Belted be. It. They should not even be in the line. They should be separate to the line because they were immense. And Driven then the game peak. kicked off flats. And then the game kicked off, and Wales kicked. Yeah. So, um, Ireland kicked off. Wales kicked the ball back. Ireland set up a ruck. It ended up going wide to James Lowe who kicked ahead I think Liam Williams ambled back I don't think he was quick enough getting back and then got himself into a bit of trouble because James Lowe was on him it was a good kick bit of a lucky bounce you might say but there needed to be more urgency getting back and then Wales end up kicking the ball out five minutes out next thing you know Doris has gone over for a try great start for Wales and then It didn't get much better, mate. It didn't get much better. The first two meaningful attacks Wales had then, Liam Williams was bundled into touch because the ball went on the ground. And then the second time Wales had an attack, they went through a few phases. It might have been seven or eight phases and James Lowe took an intercept, which was the third try.
3: I must say, Tommy, I wondered, is he going to be quick enough Mm. as soon as he got that?
2: But it was only Dan Bigger really chasing him because with intercepts, nearly... Everyone's out of position. It's only down to yeah. the blindside winger that can get back. Did you ever take an intercept? Yeah, loads. Do you not remember my 50th cap versus Italy under the post? Right. See you later. Did a Did big punch in the air. <laughs> Didn't we? Won a grand slam. Next question. Oh, well done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, the penalty count was absolutely huge in the first half. Um, there was penalties for offside. Back foot a couple of times, um, using your hands in the ruck. Offside, onside,
3: back foot, front foot.
2: Yeah, using your hands in the ruck. And Wales are just under the pump, physically out-muscled. They were dominated by collisions. Ireland were immense. Um, James Ryan was really good. The back row were bloody brilliant for Ireland, especially, especially Doris. He is quite special. Josh van der Fleer. They were just amazed. They just powered through all Wales' attack. I haven't finished yet, mate. Okay. 60% possession um, first half. I don't want you to finish. I'm enjoying it. 27-3. And that was near enough after 25 or 27 minutes. So the game effectively... You're saying
3: 27-3 and I know we've still got... A load of points to go, and how how far how much have we got left? You think
2: already won the game was already won by right. then, and it didn't get much better for the first half. But there were opportunities in that first half,
3: lads. Tom, did Wales have any opportunities though?
2: Yep, yep. there you are. Rio Dia kick the ball through. Should dived on it earlier and tried to slide over He was waiting for the ball to pop up into his arms. Oh, and by that time, no Hugo Keenan had come from the right-hand side, slid over. So no try there. There was another opportunity um, off a line-out. I think it was line-out It was line or scrum. Joe Hawkins takes the ball really flat, straight into Sexton, gets about a metre out. Ball needed to go to Dan bigger He's pointing for the ball to go to Jack Morgan. Um. Gary Ringrose has slipped, Hugo Keenan has slipped, and we still mess it up. And it was there, the try line was there. Then, just before half time, line out right hand side, George North goes, closer line, Ken Owens picks, Jack Morgan picks and goes. Andrew Porter, unbelievable tackle. He just, and he knows exactly what to do, he just sort of ends up getting right underneath Jack Morgan. So, Jack Morgan can't ground the ball. But if you look to the left-hand side, there was probably 4v1, four 4v2. Four so, they were opportunities in the first half. Then you talk about the opportunities in the second half, the missed line-outs. Wales uh-huh. scored straight away in the second half, lads. And you, you sort of thought Wales would come out firing. And teams will automatically switch off because... They've got so this 27 3 up, you know, so mentally that you you switch off, you do that. That's just what happens in a lot of games. But Liam Williams scores a nice try, really well worked, beautiful ball from Joe Hawkins, who was Wales's best player that day. And penalties given by Andrew Porter for diving on top of Liam Williams. So Wales, seven points, it's 27 10. Penalty at the halfway line, kick to touch. Really good kick from Dan Bigger. Um, Line-out not straight. Scrum. Penalty to to Ireland in the scrum. Ireland kicked the ball to the halfway line and their ball. So, opportunity gone. Then there was a James Ryan take in the line-out. Then there was an overthrow in the line-out. There was the ball being knocked on by Rio Dyer and George North off the top of the line-out. So, possession lost. It was just... Error after error. Justin Tipperick getting held up in their 22. George North getting held up in their 22. They were just out-muscled, mate, and really impressed by Ireland. I have to say they were worthy of the number one tag. They lived up to that. They performed. They haven't won there since 2013. Um, The Liam Williams yellow card was soft, but it was a yellow card. And then... Josh van, der Fleer, 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 Josh van der Fleer's try on 72 minutes. It took 32 minutes for Ireland to score in the second half. Um, was just just work ethic. You're just watching work from right to left. Coming around the corner, just beats the defenders um, and goes over under the post. So, very disappointing from Wales. I thought they lacked any physical edge they lacked energy levels they lacked attitude which we thought if one thing Gatlin could do would be to get them mentally up to that level and beaten by a well better a much better team and it actually highlights how far off Wales are from Ireland that's it mate thank you God bless
3: see you next week everyone (laughs) (laughs) Freaking hell! Oh, Christ! Oh yeah! I was like watching it all over
2: again yeah. in slow mo. And well, I'm just talking um, about <laughs> just talking about the opportunities. So, so there. What what have you got to say about that? A couple of questions. Thirty seconds. You've
3: answered one of them. I wanted to know your opinion on Hawkins, uh, best player on the field. Yep. Wales' best player. You said I want to know how you think Jack Morgan went.
2: Okay, um, he was he was busy and he tried. He didn't give up. And I like the way he went about it. But he did miss some tackles. And he wasn't as effective as we've seen. But out of the the back row of Faletau, Tipperick and Morgan, Morgan easily was better than the other two. Tyke Byrne. Amazing. Clever. Good over the ball. Just an all-round player. Whether you play him second row or back row, you need him in your team.
3: Now... When the pack gets done over, it's very difficult, as you know, for anyone in the back line to shine unless they're Jason Robinson or Shane Williams and they can produce something from absolutely nothing. So it's not a fair contest, but I'm always excited about George North getting a run at 13. But he's against, for my money, one of the the best doing it um, at 13 in Gary Mm Ringrose. How did Ringrose do, please?
2: Brilliant. Some of the defensive reads were amazing. Some of the carries were... So good, like you know, he's he's very clever in the way he carries, and he won't just try and run over people. Like he'll just he'll pirouette, he'll do something just to get himself out of trouble. And you look to where contact was made to where he ends up. You're talking seven to ten meters difference. He's so clever in the way he uses his body, um the way he sees space, and some of the defensive reads were world class flats.
3: Good stuff. And I'd like to know what you think Wales do next week. Pe- people called this a free hit for Gatland. Mm. I'm not sure there's any such thing at test level, but, or any at uh, uh, pro level, but what do you think they do? Do you think they stick with some of the old guards? Do you think, I mean, Alan Wynne Jones is injured. Do you think mm. Daffith Jenkins comes in? Do you think Faletau retains his place, class operator, but been in great form for Cardiff, but, What didn't find great form at the weekend I know you've mentioned you'd make a change at fly half where do Wales go
2: there's no other number eights in the squad really unless you you count um, Wainwright as a number eight but they didn't pick Morgan Morris who's been playing for the Osprey so Falatao has to start because he's the only eight we've got really the only genuine eight we got I think maybe Krista Shunza might come in I would make changes because it wasn't as if we were competitive in that match you know, if, we, if Wales were competitive and they lost, you'd, you'd sort of you try and take the positives from that and say, right, we're going to h- keep the team um, because we think we can make a big impact and improve a lot against Scotland. But for me, the game they played against Ireland warrants changes. They weren't good enough and there's got to be a bit of accountability for that. So, yeah, I think David Jenkins will come in because uh, he has to. And maybe Jack Morgan moves to seven or Tommy Rafael plays at seven and to Shunza and um, Falasau in the back row. We, we lack big carriers. and we, if, Shunza is really good, in not Yeah, but if yeah, if like we him. want to play the way we're playing, we need big carriers, but we can't. Yeah. So we, we have to play differently. Um yeah. I would... I'd give Owen Williams a go at number 10 because... At some stage, we, we're going to have to look at new number 10s because Dan Bigger plays most of the games. But if there is an injury to him, we're going to need someone who has a bit of experience and has had some game time uh, to slot into that position. And he's been really good for the Ospreys. I think Wales need a run in 10 because of, of the size that we got. Like We don't have big power play anymore we can't rely too much on set piece so I think we have to we have to play a different game plan to what we're currently playing and I think we have to play wider and to do that we need more of a threat I think at at 10 at at the moment so I would go especially considering Scotland next week yep the threat
3: they've got at 10 yep yep
2: hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Um, right, well done. That's okay, right. comprehensive. Thank you. So We're c- going to do a, th- a third of the time on this game. No we, um, no, we won't. No, we
2: won't. Because by the time you start talking, mate, you've got issues. You can't stop. No, hit me, no, hit me with England, Scotland. Hit you in a minute.
3: Um, Really, really good entertainment, like England, ultimately, um, I think they were two things. They definitely looked like a new team, as in new strategy, they uh, definitely went down the Nick Evans route in the LQB he likes, apparently, lightning quick ball, very, very hard to deal with, tons of tempo, um, loads of quick ball, the Scottish back row for periods really struggled to slow them down, or the Scottish team, not just the back row anymore. Struggled to slow them down, said so loads of ball, um, which is encouraging. Defensively, they were leaky. They weren't, you know, they were nowhere near tight. Hugh Jones ghosted through um, a massive gap left between Farrell, who really, I think, wanted to smoke um, his opposite number, really wanted to smoke Finn Russell, which he did a couple of times during the game. Um, but so he flew up and and Marchant didn't hit him with him, um, and massive hole. So that there were a few moments like that, and the Ben White try was just. It's almost like Hows. no one picked him up. So defensively, they were leaky, but, you know, it's new. Um, So, and I I think the the 10-12 thing, the Smith-Farrell thing, it's just, it's an odd thing. It just, they haven't played together that many times, but it's just never looked like it really works. Farrell actually is in really good form for Sarri's. His passing game is lovely. His kicking game's good um, when he takes the ball flat. But invariably, when he's flat, you know, if you've got a ten who goes that flat to the line, you've generally got a twelve slash thirteen option that flat to the line as well. But because Farrell is the twelve, you think where's Smith? Smith is invariably a good few meters behind him, looking to play out the back. Um, so actually, you've got you've almost got one option fewer at the line. It feels like so playing to neither of their strengths really. Um, I just, I'm just. It's one of those things you think when you play against the top side it stands out a bit as not being as effective. And they both did some good things. But you look at Tui playing for Scotland. Um, Finn Russell quietly controlled things. He didn't have it all his own way at all. A lot of stuff didn't go his way, especially in the first half. Um, but they looked like a what you'd call a orthodox 10, 12, 13. And they looked better for it. Tui had a real influence on the game. Classy player. To look at him, if you don't watch a lot of rugby, you'd think, well... He's a big unit with massive legs. He must smash people. Well, he's a powerful bloke, but actually, you know, clever player, got some lovely touches. um, And they just... Scotland... I mean, either side could have won this game. It's not like Scotland hammered England or anything. Either side could have won it because it was a bit loose. Um, The England scrum started off not brilliantly and actually got a bit better towards the end. Dan Cole made his comeback first game since the World Cup final uh, when he got ousted by Eddie Jones or dropped, rather. And uh, had an an immediate. Sorry, my bloody watch keeps talking to me. I'll piss off. Um, and he made had an immediate impact. Um, so there was it, it, there was some some positive stuff. Um, but the, the standout Max Malin's a class player. We know that. The standout thing for me would be that. Up front, England didn't manage to dominate, really. Alex Dombrandt, who is a wonderful player, did not have his best game. Dropped a couple. The tackle he missed on Van der Merwe. We'll talk about his try in a sec. It was it was brilliant. And the thing that no one seems to have mentioned is him. It's a little thing, but yes, he's quick. It's good aggression in the carry, but he switches it from right hand to left so he can hand off Dombrant. And that's a lovely little bit of... Um, instinctive skill. Um hang on, I'm just gonna get my watch and throw it. Hang on a sec, because it won't stop talking to me. Hang on. That is gone. That's gone now. Um so Don Brandt didn't have his best game at all. Ben Curry is an excellent player but didn't dominate. Um to Ben L might get a shot. Ollie Chesham and Lewis Lewis Ludlam um, always have good games because they're hard working guys. Ellis Genge was fantastic, I thought um, on the ball, absolutely fantastic. I think 17 carries, 16 and a half of which were effective. But ultimately, Tommy looked a bit loose defensively and I would like to see them pick one of those two at fly half and stick Ollie Lawrence in um, at 12 and see what gives. Do you think England kicked too much? Um, I, d- I think kicking too much is, you only think someone's kicked too much when
2: they missed opportunities, lose the game, or there's opportunities it, to run it where they've kicked it. Maybe.
3: Yeah, but equally, if if you kick, yeah, if so, if you're doing that, yes. Also, if your kicks put the opposition under pressure, you're not kicking too much. England's kicks didn't very often. England had their kick chase was disorganised, um, and it looked gappy and loose. And Scotland were able to counter attack. Look at Van der Merwe. You know, there's so much space there, and just decimates the England kick chase. George Turner. I know he's
2: a George Turner.
3: Yeah, I know he's a special player, um, Van der Merwe, but actually no one should be doing that really from, you know... Farrell gets receipt. blocked
2: by George Turner. You can't get yourself in that position where someone's on your right-hand side and he just gets yeah. completely blocked by him. It's, it's legal, but it's a clever bit of play. And yeah. Farrell ends up not being able to get anywhere near him because when they kick the ball, you pause it, that's a good kick chase, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well... It it is a good, but you've got to be aware. Like it's a good kick chase if you take a picture of it, but actually as it develops, everyone's got to be aware of those around them. So, I you know I was I'm not putting myself in that bracket, but we would train kick chase a lot, um, like everyone does. And when we train kick chase, you absolutely had eyes on guys around you, so gaps around you, especially for me because I didn't want big gaps around me because I get skinned. You had a coarse eyes on ball on opposition players, but you who bringing the ball back but you absolutely we call them had eyes on the lads running ghost lines so you're always looking for lads who are trying to get in your way because we would do the same to them so it is a key part of kick chase key part of the detail is looking for blue jerseys who are deliberately trying to get in the way um so it is that that is does count as a defensive error being blocked like that there's sometimes nothing you can do but you've got to be aware that he's there and either give him a dig and get him out of the way or Dodge about him. Um, Easier said than
2: done. Um, Yeah, there you are. I think you're right with... Brilliant game. Yeah, it was a really good game. I think you're right with Smith and Farrell. Just the the combination, the understanding doesn't quite work yet. And maybe it will come the more they play together. But I think you're right. I think you either play one or the other. And you play a Lawrence or a Manu or a Slade. And, And that, at the moment, probably suits England a little bit more. But then... You know, the way the blueprint is obviously with Nick Evans coming in is that they want to play a little bit more. So you need someone in that back line, not just your 10, that can deliver balls like Tua And I've been raving about him, mate, for ages now. Yeah, He has been brilliant for Glasgow. But it's it's his, it's his ability to see space and to deliver kicks, passes. What His skill array is brilliant. It's perfect for a 12 because he can take it up he can give you gain line, but then he's got really soft hands, really good vision, a really good attacking, kicking game. That kick he put through for Hugh Jones, he's been doing that all season. Um, he is, what I look at now, and think that's that's the blueprint for what I want from my 12. Um, yeah. And just the sort of shackles come off a little bit with, excuse the, the pun, but there was an element of freedom, I thought, with Scotland especially in that second half and you look at that try, the second Van der Merwe try they scored, you know that was exceptional play to keep the ball for that period all the way up the pitch and to play with width and to have the understanding of the depth you need to to be able to put Van der Merwe away, I think it might have been Gilchrist it was perfect, everyone knew exactly what they were doing and Van der Merwe beats, I think he beat nearly six people for his first try, he beat three people coming in for the second try. There's only a handful of people in the world that could score that first one, mind. There would mm-hmm. be many people like that would have the power, um, the pace, and the strength to do that. Yeah. But I love watching that game. I thought it was epic all the way through. And Scotland won, and they came out on top, not by much. But it could have gone. It could have gone either way. It was that close and that difficult yeah. to call. So I think England can take loads of positives from it, even though they lost. They were in that game all the way through. It's not like Wales where they were just beaten in 25 minutes and Ireland T- Island switched off and Wales came back. There was loads of positives to take from the England game. I think they'll have to be a little bit cuter in selection. And I think maybe, as you mentioned, Smith or Farrell at 10 and you play with Ollie Lawrence and a Slade or a Marchant.
3: It's so funny. Like As soon as someone plays well, I get about 10 tweets Saying surely he's got to be in the Lions team, potential Lions captain, and I'm like, why are you texting me? <laughs> like, yeah. why, like it's fine. Like Jamie Ritchie, I've had about ten Scottish people say got to be a lion. I'm yeah. like, I don't disagree with that. Uh, brilliant player, Richie Gray. Quietly, I thought played really, really well. Um, uh, <clears throat> Richie yeah, was good. G- Jamie Ritchie Gil- was good. Gilchrist as well. Yeah, yeah. They, they some of their key players played really like I love the Hugh Jones selection. I'm a big fan of Chris Harris, but I love the attacking That's only come in over
2: the last sort of month or so flats because their partnership um, and Glasgow, a lot of the resurgence for Glasgow, they started off okay at home but they couldn't win away until it was like Zebra away but now all of a sudden they near enough look unbeatable. They drew against Bath but that Jones and Tupelo partnership mate, that's that's really exciting and especially like in attack like Chris Harris, very good player, but you sort of you've got another dimension when you've got Hugh Jones in at thirteen with his yeah. pace and the lines he hits are fantastic. Yeah,
3: hmm. yeah. So that I personally would like to see England play against Italy. They won't, but I'd like to see England play with a ten and a twelve, um, just to see if it make. I mean, see if it makes difference because it's. What it used to be, with respect, the last few years, the last quite a few years, it's been that you could try things against Italy um, and whatever really happened, you'd win, especially because they've never beaten England, you know, especially if you're England for whatever reason, they've got the hoodoo. But now it's like, actually, it, you've got to go flat out against Italy yeah. because as we move on to the next game, they well were well done, very man. good. They were very, very good. They were really exciting to watch. Uh, against france it was an excellent game italy absolutely could have won it um a couple of missed kicks i do wonder if that final penalty kick into the corner that left them with a 10 meter drive instead of a five meter drive right. it's one of those little things and i don't i do not blame kickers like i've never kicked a ball no kick in my life right but that is a really really poor kick as soon as he did it i was hands on my head so you are blaming him on my now. sofa i'm like mate yeah 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 um but lovely player, but that was a really poor kick. It's the opposite of a Henry Slade who absolutely nails that into the corner. It's not even a hard kick flat. It's not yeah. a difficult kick that no. at all. And as soon as as soon as he kicked that there, I was just like, no, they got no chance now. And France defended that really well. Um but yeah, a, a really, really fun game to watch because Italy are actually bloody threatening. Um some really powerful forwards. Uh, Lamarro was good. Lamarro, I call him, but because they're calling him Lamarro on TV, I guess they've researched it. Uh, Negri is just super punchy carrier. Simone Ferrari, best name in world rugby. Scrummage really, really well. Nicotera played really well at two. Um, I think that
2: at, at 15. At, ni- at nine, yeah, he's
3: wonderful, isn't he? Yep. absolutely brilliant. But at nine and 10, they didn't look on the same, I mean, look, Dupont and Temak and Jalibert was even better when he came on. Mm. France are a couple of levels above at nine and ten, and it showed. Um, I didn't think there was the control. I didn't think the kicking was accurate enough from nine. It let France off too often, gave the chasers no chance. So it's almost like I don't know quite what they can do about that because you've got what you've got. But I think they looked they looked a level below in terms of half back control. What did you think?
2: Maressy and Brex really good defensively, but might just not offer enough in attack um, even though Brex had a really good game and he was solid Um, nothing much gets past him Um, I thought France nearly were in danger of losing that game but I think quietly they'd be quite happy to get off to a start uh, with a win where they were challenged for periods and they're gonna get so much better. They gave away eighteen penalties away, which is a huge amount. Like anything under ten is decent yeah. and their discipline was really poor. But you know, they they broke way more tackles than Italy. They were way more um elusive in attack, I thought, and Tower Fifanua, I think that's how you pronounce it. Like when he came on, he's, Duffenua, like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like a giant the offload he gave for Fiku for his try was... He's mad,
3: though, because he's like Will Skelton.
2: He's a giant, yeah, but he's mobile and active and skillful. <laughs> yeah. It's a great comparison, yeah, exactly like that, but it's a real soft pair of hands. So I think as much as France will be just slightly maybe disappointed with the way they perform, they'll be inside, I think they'll be quietly happy with the way they... They started off the game and they were challenged and it wasn't. It didn't all go easy for them, but they ground out a win in Italy and they're alone. They will only get better because the players yeah. they've got are amazing. All of them.
3: Yeah, and I mean you couldn't say that France looked particularly impressive. Like nope. you compare they were their poor. performance to compare that to Ireland. You know, their, yeah. and they looked a mile off Ireland, didn't they? But I, it makes me think that. I mean France haven't lost in so long but I just I cannot see them beating Ireland in Dublin there's, this weekend I just can't see it. Yeah
2: there's probably 40% more to come from France and there was probably 20% more to come from Ireland to be honest but it's going to be massive game like that is that's grand that's grand slam decider I think.
3: Yeah and I like Moa in the midfield I really like, but yes. I just think Jonathan Dante is just different class when he's playing. And it, they've got a couple of really good 12s there, but there is a difference between them. I think Dante is... Dante, like, I don't know, everyone's got different opinions on these things, but he wouldn't be far off a World 15 when he's playing mm. really well because he's massive and agile and clever and, like, and skillful. It's like he is a lovely... He's a lovely package. <laughs> um, so when he's not playing, I do think whoever they put at 12, they really miss him. Mm. Um, I, w- I mean, Moafana will stay at 12. I mean, they, they could put Intermac at 12. Moafana is obviously a, a top a top fella. But I think there's a difference. And, you know, I think Jaminet not playing at 15. or whatever. Ramos, to me, is like still excellent and would make a lot of international 15s. But in terms of counter-attacking gas and threat, You know, if you compare him to Capuozzo, who is freaky good. I mean, there's a massive difference in threat on the ball there. Um, But Capuozzo's try was brilliant because he just, as they said in comms, he left it late. But that just little bit of footwork he put on on Aldrich, there's just, there is something Aldrich can do. He can just steam for the touchline and try and force him back inside, which is probably what he'd do if he had that time again that moment he' probably what he'd do next time but actually that little bit of footwork the big man just can't get back up to speed quickly enough you don't have time little, to think either you
2: don't have time to think Yeah, if someone puts a tiny bit of footwork on you there you naturally just change your body shape yeah. to adjust to them but it's beautiful Like you, you, sh- you shouldn't really score on that um, small amount of area but yeah. certain players can And it, so it's brilliant He's, some of the tries he scored in the league have been Amazing. Like he and I, yeah, do you know what I love outrageous? about watching him is that you look at him and you think you should be working in a shop. You should be working like at next or you should have a paper <laughs> round. He just doesn't look like a rugby player, but Yeah. There's no doubt he is one of the best in the northern hemisphere. And it's not all about it's not all yeah. about size and it's not all about how much you lift, it's not all about how big your guns are, how much you can bench. Like it it's a skill based game and he is and it's evasion sport. He's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. So,
3: I mean, the, inevitably there are a lot of collisions in it, but and he doesn't fare necessarily that well because he's got a bit because so of much his position. And so much pace. Yeah. He doesn't get melted that often. No, but there's a lot of collisions.
2: Like he's quite hard to pin down. Yeah, a lot of collisions centre back row. Sometimes in the wing when you have to cut back inside, but at fifteen, you near you often pit your collisions because yeah you're often running the ball back so you can dominate defences with your footwork and sort of try and um, win the contact on, on your terms, which he's good at.
3: I actually thought, for me, that his try wasn't the moment of the match. I actually thought the Taufei Fano, a one-handed take, yep. ride the tackle, offload for um, Jally Bear try. <clears throat> I actually thought that was just like, that is sublime from someone who's what, 6'9 and 22 stone or something like that. It's just like, what are these lads doing now? Yeah. They're all mental good, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, and it's there's he is a giant amongst giants, like Skelton. He's a similar size to Skelton. And when you see the guy walk past, you're like, he must be there to just smash people. And he does a bit of that, but actually, he must work so hard on his skills. It's like the only Nakawara that the second row, it's like you see all these offloads and you know, wow, naturally, he's skillful. And you beat the Ben Ryan who coached Fiji. It's like, no, mate, he spends all day practicing it. All that it's flat out all the time. Whenever we do pool recovery, he does 20 minutes of wet ball offload practice. You know, mm. it's like this is relentless practice, it's not natural because they're getting smashed by powerful guys. Like, I just thought that Tau a bit of skill was an amazing moment, actually. I thought it was a bloody brilliant player, yeah, yeah.
2: And also, like, um, the front row, looks so good when he came on, he could start, yeah. Jally Bear could start next Maybe. week. I was just going to say, Flats, there's so much more expectation now on front rowers. And second rows to an extent mm-hmm. of, of what your job is, you know, previously it would be scrummaging, um, some tight carries, defensive work around the ruck. Now it's about being ball players, it's about taking the ball to the line, it's about being able to deliver the right pass, whether you hit it short, whether you put it back behind. Like the modern day front row forward and second row forward has been completely re identified. Is that the word? Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah, it's as, yeah. as something completely different now to what we, we used to see in 20, 30 years ago. Now it's it's about having a skill set to be able to um, put players in the space. And that's just the way the game's evolving. That's blockbusters. Yep.
3: Um, ma- just massive amount of contributions, basically. And mm. like Marchand, the French hooker, is didn't have his best game. I don't think any French lads did, actually, but didn't have his best game. But his contribution defensively, I mean, he would be better than any of the back rows in the French squad over the ball. He's yeah. not a match for them. He's better than all of them. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's relentless, a big bloke, relentless contributions. You know, he, he could well be a back row, the amount he's involved in the game. And Weenie Atonio, interestingly, he's not as active as Marchand, but for someone who is another giant amongst giants, very, very active bloke, Like, and he's a big, heavy scrummager, very, very active, you know, and very capable on the ball, capable defensively. They're full of good players, but I just, I mean, I'll gladly eat my words next week if they do, but I just cannot
2: see them doing a job on Ireland. Just don't see it. So let's talk about the games this weekend now. Ireland-France, we both agree Ireland. Yep. Yep, I think so too. I'm not sure what injuries they've got though. Sexton, I think, will be fit, even though he's gone under an HIA protocol at the moment. Jameson Gibson-Park is out but it didn't seem to trouble them too much. The only thing I've got in the back of my mind is that if anyone can put lots of pressure on Ireland, it's the big teams, it's the big carriers where they can't dominate the contact mm-hmm. as much. And your France's and your South Africa's, they're the types of teams that can turn over a team like Ireland because they can outmuscle them. So I've got that in the back but, of yeah, my mind. It's
3: only Yeah, it's only at the scrum, but last week when Munster played Toulouse... John Ryan absolutely minced Cyril by the uh, French loose said minced him a couple of times, like brutal, absolutely had his number. And I just can't imagine the Irish lads aren't looking at that thinking, right, this is the blueprint. This is what he doesn't like. So you take that away from the French. I do think they're a different team because they emotionally, they're far more solid these days. They're not as up and down as they used to be, frankly, but mm. they don't look at it. They look very consistent psychologically, but you take that away, Ireland should absolutely compete at line-out time. There should be no difference there between the two teams. Um, great options for Ireland. So actually, it'll be it'll be really interesting, won't it? It'll be really interesting. Because I remember they didn't pick James Ryan on the Lions tour, did they? Because no. he played against... It was reportedly because he played against um, La Rochelle and just got mashed in the carry. And you got guys like Skelton just steaming about. And again, almost sort of fell down against the giant men. So, this yeah, you're right. This will be really interesting. But I say I say, Ireland, uh, Scotland, Wales. I say Scotland. The thing about Scotland is they have backed up big victories with defeats. <laughs> yes. Defeats a lot in the last few years.
2: Yeah, they have. Um, so, um, yeah. But I think... Well, it's now or never, really. I know we say that a lot with them. But... Mm-hmm. I think... Injury permitting. I don't think there's many injuries. I, I think they'll be too well-drilled, too well-organised combinations look tight whilst you look at Wales I'm not sure what the best combinations are no one knows really at the moment whilst I look at Scotland I think wow that team now picks itself so I think Scotland will win and then England-Italy massive bounce back by England I think they'll put a lot of points on Italy personally do you? Mm-hmm. yep I do I think Italy
3: will go up and down I, do you know I just really hope it's a brilliant game because I'm commentating on it yeah um I'm I'm, real, I'm really excited now because Italy have shown what they can do. England yep. are up against it. Fascinating.
2: Yeah, um, I think at Twickenham, I think we'll see a reaction from England because they'll be hey, devastated. They finished Happy that. Valley. Finished Happy Valley uh, the night, Boy, I meant to tell you at the start. No, I've I've got one episode left of series one and good in it, mate. Like episode four was just. It yep. was one of the best hours of TV I've ever watched. Series one, episode four. I don't want to give too yep. much away. but yep. And I'm really, really struggling to find any faults with it. The acting is so natural. Yep. You can imagine it going on, the conversations they have, the police with themselves, the police with the public. Thank you, David. Thank you. I finished Fowler, so series four. Oh,
3: I'm just getting started. Do you enjoy it?
2: Yep. Always yeah, i'm just I'm just
3: episode always two at the moment, um the last of us I've watched episode four already, are you into that yet?
2: yeah, seen episode four. I do find myself sometimes just forwarding it slightly. <gasps> there's a lot of oh mate a lot of talking goes on, and not enough action <laughs> for me. There's a lot of long scenes where they're just having a chat, um either lying down or in a room. In a truck. In a truck. And I'm just... I just want to see more action. Okay, the first two episodes were really good. Last three and four, bit disappointed. We had a love story and all of season three. Season four wasn't enough action, suspense, thrill
3: for me. The bit in episode three, whatever it was, where <laughs> the woman gives herself over and or whatever, and the... Um, blows up that room you know I'm not giving too much away but when the stuff comes out of their mouth it is rank isn't it yeah yeah, it is rank when it comes out of their mouth Um, I really like it it's not my thing at all normally but neither was Game of Thrones and
2: that's one of my favourite things ever maybe my favourite thing ever Mm -hmm. Um, and you've got a new daughter to thank for that got what new daughter to thank for Game of Thrones haven't you what do you mean Uh, a couple of sexy scenes I know what you like. Oh. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> you friends. Give the wife um, a little look. Come on, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Um, let me go and get my sword.
3: Put my big, <laughs> put my big leather tabard on. <laughs> Come here, you. I'm sweating a bit. i oh, grant you.
2: Babe, <laughs> where's my bare skin coat? It is hot in here, isn't it? It's bloody hot in <laughs> here.
3: <laughs> I that's what I need in my house to get <laughs> up a bit. Um... Oh. All right, well done, fella. Keep okay. going.
2: All right, boy. Well, look. when well I guys? Glad the Six Nations back. I love the weekend, yeah, even though back. Wales lost. I yeah. can't wait for this weekend. I'm super pumped. I'm going to watch it at home with a deliveroo. And yeah, I'm going to the darts I'm on Thursday, on mate. Saturday, In the motor point. Okay, so oh, look out for me with jugs of lager.
3: Oh, here we go. Yeah. Top off. <laughs> oh. Not anymore. All right, lad. Well done. Right. Well done, everyone. Bye bye. To now